14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a dive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry Aaron. From the Tanglewood Studios on the Baseball 101 Network, this is the Baseball 101 Go Six Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Scott Wasselegger, your host, back in the Tanglewood studio. Happy to be here. We were off for a week, and um, I think that was not necessarily a bad thing because I saw that the listens went up on several of the podcasts, uh, several of the episodes that we do, gave people a chance, I think, to catch up on some of them, some new people in, got some emails um, and some tweets about uh, thoughts on the episodes, some input on the episodes, and those kinds of things. So uh, really happy with the feedback, glad to be back, and producing the Go 6 for you. Going to uh, shift gears a little bit this week and get into a little modification of the podcast. And for this week, going to call it the Go 6 Sports Radio Podcast where we can branch out and talk about some other things besides baseball. And um, we think that might uh, bring some some more listeners in and uh, continue to help us grow. And we'll try it out and we'll see what the input is. And if it's good input, we'll continue to do it. Um, and if it's so-so or whatever, we'll go back to our niche, which was uh, baseball and uh, mental side of the game and, and things like that. So glad to be back. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the new documentary that everybody's talking about, The Last Dance on ESPN. So some takeaways from... The Last Dance docuseries by ESPN that has been on, and I think I said it just started, but it's actually going to be ending soon. The last two episodes are this coming Sunday, but you can see, you can catch up on all the episodes because ESPN is showing them constantly throughout the week, and they show them particularly on Sundays leading up to the new episodes, but an incredible docuseries about the Chicago Bulls and their last season. And what's really neat about it is although they cover their last season, 1998 in depth they reflect back all the way to when Jordan came into the league and it's really pretty amazing docuseries but one of the things that I took away immediately from it was there's always discussion as to who the greatest basketball player is of all all time and I have actually bought into the idea that Kobe might be close or or LeBron might be close or some of the old timers might be close but when you watch this docuseries and you see Jordan being interviewed throughout it now um and what he could do physically on the court the mental mindset that he had and Kobe's really great Kobe was really phenomenal phenomenal competitive mindset elite mindset but Jordan there's no no comparison there's no comparison between I don't care what anybody says there's no comparison between Jordan and anybody else he is the greatest basketball player of all time the most competitive player, basketball player of all time. And don't forget, 
He was a scorer. He was a high flyer. He was regularly one of the top defenders in the league, regularly one of the top defenders in the league. So he played both ends of the floor. Uh, but, you know, mentally, there's some amazing stories about what he did to motivate himself. When they were playing the Sonics in the NBA Finals uh, one year, George Carl, the, the coach of the Sonics, did not say hello to him before the game. And Jordan used that as motivation and lit the Sonics up, and and the Bulls won that series. There was another time where his young coach, Doug Collins, was coaching in his first game, and it was close, or they might have been losing by a little bit, and Jordan went up to him during a timeout and said, don't worry, I'm not going to let you lose this game. And he didn't, and they won. And he took the, took the Bulls on his shoulders, and they won the game. He did things like that all the time to motivate himself and motivate his teammates. He was extremely demanding of his teammates. But in the documentary, you'll see, they say that. They say that he would get on them at times. He'd swear at them. He'd, he'd demand them to do certain things. But he said himself in the last episode, he'd never ask them to do something that he didn't do himself. And when they interview these guys throughout the docuseries, You'll see that they say all those things and they say how hard he was on them, but all of them know it was to make them better. All of them know it was because he wanted them to perform well so they as a team could win. And he was pretty much more demanding than their own coach, Phil Jackson, even was. In the recent episodes, they talked about his father's death, his father's murder, and that was... These last two episodes were pretty emotional because of that. But his dad was uh, visiting some friends and driving on some back roads in North Carolina and pulled over to rest, I guess, or sleep. And he was murdered and robbed. And what was unfortunate was right after that, there was a lot of speculation about why that happened. Did it have any ties to Michael Jordan? Um, Because Michael Jordan was a gambler and maybe somebody owed him money or something like that. And I think there was the media was criticized immensely for that, but you couldn't blame them. I mean, I, li- I, was, I lived through that time, and of course there was a lot of talk about Michael Jordan and gambling, and why wouldn't you think out of the blue his dad gets murdered? Why wouldn't people speculate? Why wouldn't people question and wonder if it had anything to do, any ties with him? So while it's super unfortunate, the death of his father at the time um, and the family wanted privacy and everything else, it was it was a legit question. Like, why did this happen? Was it really that random? But it turns out all these years later that it really was very, very random. And shortly after that, between all of the media attention that he got as a player and then that event in his life, he had enough and he retired. And that was a big thing. I mean, the, the, the thing about the docuseries is they show so much, they had gathered so much uh, video, never-before-seen video that was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. There must have been so much work put into that. And... He retired, and it was a major event, and he decided a short while later he was going to play baseball. He wanted to play baseball. And another thing that I didn't know was they 
signed him. The White Sox signed him. Jerry Reinsdorf, who was the owner of the uh, Bulls, was also part owner of the White Sox. And they signed him to a contract to play baseball. And they placed him in double A. And he had no business being in double A. But the reason he was in double A was because they didn't have a large enough media area in single A uh, teams' environments to accommodate all the media that was going to be traveling around watching him play baseball. So they put him with the double-A Birmingham Barons, and he actually started out his baseball career with a 15-game hitting streak. That was amazing. I mean, double-A is a, is a good, good brand of baseball. Everybody is on the way up. For those who don't know, everybody's on the way up. Triple-A, some guys are on the way up, but some guys are what they call organizational players, and some guys are making a career out of playing AAA and staying in AAA. So there's some hangers-on in AAA, and there's some up-and-comers in AAA. In AA, they're all up-and-comers. So he had to face some really competitive pitching and had a 15-game hitting streak. And when all was said and done, I think he knocked in over 50 runs, and he batted over 200. And batting over 200, hitting over 200, the people who know will tell you it's absolutely amazing that he was able to do that. And Terry Francona, most notably uh, World Series champion manager for the Red Sox, and now he's the manager of the Indians, he was his manager back then. And when questioned in the docuseries, he said, there's no doubt that he would have made it to the major leagues. And the reason he didn't make it to the major leagues is because baseball went on strike. He did not cross the picket line. And he started working out with the Bulls a little bit and came out of retirement. But there's many people out there that think he would have made it to the major leagues had there not been a strike, which is really pretty amazing. When he came back from that, when he came back to basketball, he struggled that first the end of that first year that he came back. He came back the end of 94, I think it was, and he struggled quite a bit because he spent so much time. He had a personal trainer, Tim Grover, who trained him every day mentally and physically, and he spent so much time getting in shape for baseball, and that's a different kind. There are different kind of exercises, different kind of strength training. So he was not in basketball shape when he came back, and he struggled. And as the story goes, when the season ended in 94, typically Jordan would take, you know, some weeks off and then get back at it training-wise with this guy, Tim Grover. And Grover says in the docuseries that he said to him, hey, when do you, when do you want to get started? And he said, tomorrow. And he started getting back into basketball shape. And that's where the second wave of champions championships came um, in – 96, 97, and 98, 95, they had, they had a little bit of a tough year. Um, so he came back the end of 94, played 95, and then 96, 97, 98, they won again. It was really amazing. I mean, uh, but he was, he was demanding of his teammates. Um, and the thing about this Last Dance documentary series is that, um, you know, there's a lot of footage, a lot of information that we didn't know. And the interviews with the players and the people that were involved are really well done. 
they're really candid. Sometimes you see these documentaries and you don't get the main players. You get a lot of people speculating about a lot of different things, but you don't get the main players. In this, you have Jordan, you have Phil Jackson, you have Jerry Reinsdorf, um, you have all these guys, uh, and, and Scotty Pippen, his right-hand guy. Um, and that was another thing. The Pippen, the thing in the recent, uh, one of the recent episodes of this docuseries is when the Bulls played the Knicks in 1994, and they were down 2 nothing. the Bulls were, and they really needed the game uh, three. And it was tie, I think, 102-102 at the end. Bulls had the ball with two or three seconds left, and Phil Jackson drew up a play, and this was the year that Jordan was playing baseball, so he wasn't, on the, he wasn't there. And Phil Jackson drew up the play, and he drew up the play for Tony Kukoc, who was a rookie that everybody thought was great, and, and uh, Pippen did not like that. Pippen did not like the idea that the play was drawn up for Tony Kukoc, and he refused to go into the game. And that is a famous play that sort of haunts Scottie Pippen and was 25 or 26 years ago, and people still talk about it, but he refused to go in the game because he was mad that the play wasn't drawn up for him. Kukoc hit the shot, the Bulls win, and they stayed in the series. But uh, the Pippen thing was uh, something they interviewed him about, and uh, he had apologized to his teammates after the game, but it was very, very controversial. And in the in the docuseries, he says if he was if that situation came up again, he probably would have done the same thing, which was shocking, which was absolutely shocking because he was pretty remorseful about the whole thing to begin with. But uh, great docuseries, episodes nine and ten are this coming Sunday. You can catch up on it all during the week. Uh, they're only hour-long episodes with minimal commercials, so uh, very good um, and really gives you a good um, a good behind-the-scenes look at the Bulls, really from the time Jordan came in the league all the way up until 1998 when the dynasty ended. So highly recommend it. And in the absence of live sports and really any good sports on TV at all, this is probably the best thing that's on right now. So check it out. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
So welcome back to the show. Glad to be back in the Tanglewood studio. This is the Go 6 Sports Radio Experiment this week. So we're going to see how it goes, um, see if we can uh, appeal to even a wider audience than we already are. We're doing pretty well, baseball only, but uh, I think there has been some input from some listeners that would be nice to do or at least try uh, a broader variety of sports. So here we are. Last week, notice the NFL came out with their schedules and uh, in a desperate attempt to get people's attention because there's nothing else going on. They had ESPN had an entire show on the schedules next year, and they analyzed every schedule, what games would be on national TV Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and what games were notable as far as, for example, the first game at the new Las Vegas stadium. Uh, Brady's first game of the year is at New Orleans. They talked about how that was a tough spot. They analyzed one of the first teams they analyzed was the Buccaneers and how, uh, I'll tell you, the analysts have them winning like every single game, just about. It's incredible. I mean, um, I know they supposedly have pretty good defense. They, of course, have Brady. Now they have Gronk. But one thing I just kept saying, thinking to myself, is they have to block you know, he was good for all these years because the Patriots and Bill Belichick demanded that the offensive line protect him. And if he's not protected like many other quarterbacks, he's going to struggle. But that was NFL news last week, and I thought that uh, it was interesting. And I was entertained, actually, by them going through the schedule, and it was sort of encouraging to see in some ways um, when you visualize playing football again or playing live sports again. However, my take is that I do not think, I think it's going to be very ambitious to think we're going to be playing in front of fans, first of all, and playing football, period, in the fall. I think college and the NFL are going to have a very difficult time playing games when you have 22 players on the field at one time making contact with each other in close proximity of each other, I don't know if that's going to work for a while. I could see anything happen. I could see them canceling next season and just waiting for another year till there's either a vaccine or till we are really completely out of the woods because if we're partially still in the woods, if we're partially at risk, fans or no fans, I can't see how they're going to be able to play football, such a contact sport. I, I have a hard time seeing how they're going to play basketball, and that's just 10 guys on the floor at one time. So I think we have to be ready for everything, and while it's super encouraging and it seems far enough away that we might be over this pandemic by then, I think it's still lofty aspirations to think we're going to be playing football right away in September, college or NFL. That's just my take on it. So I think we got to be ready for everything. I could see us, I could see them pushing back the season a month or two, and I could also see see them canceling the season and making sure that we are completely clear and we can have a productive and good season the following year. So fingers are crossed because I love the NFL. Absolutely love the NFL. And uh, fingers across that we're going to actually 
have a season when it comes. But I thought it was interesting that they had the schedule out last week and there was a lot of hype around the schedule and a lot of encouragement. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, when we come back, we're going to have Major League Baseball talk. And we'll also have after that our playlist song of the week. time for our segment, Major League Baseball Talk, conversation and commentary about the league where they play for pay. So the Major League Baseball owners a couple days ago accepted a proposal for the season to start, and it looks like what uh, they want is they want uh, baseball want, Major League Baseball wants to started this season in early July, around July 4th, and what better time to start America's uh, birthday and America's pastime, and they would start spring training sometime next month in June, and I think, my personal opinion is I think they can pull this off, and the reason I think they can pull this off is we know there's not going to be fans. We know they can have access to Major League Stadiums. There was some talk a while ago, if you remember me talking about potentially playing in one area like Arizona and playing in 12 or 13 different bar parks in, within a 50-mile radius in Arizona. That didn't fly with the Players Union. Mike Trout, amongst others, spoke up about that and didn't want to do that because that would mean keeping his family, not being able to see his family for all of that time. Um, because they were going to keep families out and they were going to keep players in for several months in that confined area of Arizona, hotels, and et cetera. So with this new plan, it looks like they're going to play in most, in many major league ballparks, no fans. But the reason I think it can work, I mean, for obvious reasons, is baseball is a game that is, you're a little bit further apart from each other. You're a lot further apart from each other than you are in football or basketball. And I think that uh, because of that, I think they can do it. They're, they're doing it in the Korean Baseball League right now, and it seems that they're doing that without any problems that we know of. So I think there's hope that we can start live baseball, and that would be extremely encouraging. And hopefully Major League Baseball, the union and the owners, and the players who are part of the union all agree that they can do it and they have a good plan. I think they want to get to it. I mean, one of the things, 
one area that baseball teams make a lot of money in is their TV contracts with different networks. And so they'll lose money at the gate. They'll lose money from concessions. But they make a lot of money on TV contracts. So it will keep teams afloat, I think, if they can start the season and play. And trust me, there will be a lot of people watching. There will be a lot of people watching because, speaking for myself, we're just absolutely dying for live sports. I mean, that's why people are watching the Korean Baseball League. That's why people are watching even some WWE wrestling because it's live. Um, So if we can get baseball back, fingers crossed. I know I said fingers crossed earlier about the football season, but same thing. Uh, Let's hope that everybody agrees, and let's hope that there's a protocol and a plan that we think can work and not jeopardize people's health along the way and we will have baseball, and how glorious will that be if on a warm July weekend we can be listening to baseball on the radio or watching baseball on TV. That would be fantastic. That's your Major League Baseball talk for this week. We will be right back. So the playlist song of the week is a song that we suggest every week that you add to your playlist. And I've said this before, but I'll mention it again. We can't play it on our podcast because of copyright restrictions, but we like to suggest a song every week that maybe you can go Google or download from wherever you get your music from and add it to your playlist. So throwing it back again to 1986 for this one. This is a song called Land of Confusion. It comes off an album called Invisible Touch by Genesis and Phil Collins. And Genesis took a break from each other a few years prior and did their own solo projects. Phil Collins did his, uh, and Mike Rutherford, the lead guitarist, did his in a band called Mike and the Mechanics. And they both had a lot of success. And then they reconvened and came up with this album in 1986, Invisible Touch, And there's a few good songs besides Land of Confusion on it. There's Invisible Touch. There's Throwing It All Away. There's several other good songs in this album. And the story goes that they needed this song to finish up the album. And Mike Rutherford was sick with a flu in bed and kind of delirious. And Phil Collins went to him and said, I really need this song. Um, Please give me anything you have so we can finish up this album. And so Mike Rutherford wrote this song in kind of a delirious state when he had the flu. And it turned out to be a hit. And not only a hit, it's one of the wildest and craziest all over the place music videos you'll ever see. If you look it up on YouTube, you can find it. But there's puppets. There's puppets depicting the band. There's puppets depicting Ronald Reagan. And it's just crazy. But the song is Land of Confusion, and I thought it was relevant based on the health crisis that we're going through and how confusing it is when you hear all the information and what news we should or shouldn't listen to with regard to the coronavirus. So, again, the song's Land of Confusion. Download it. Google it. I think you'll enjoy it. So that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Please tell somebody else about the podcast so we can continue to grow. Stay tuned because we'll continue to do our short special edition podcasts in between the weekly podcasts. So I'm going to keep at it. Try to get 1% better 
and can't wait to be with you next time.
So welcome back to the show. Hey, remember, you can email us at go6podcast at yahoo.com. That's go, the numeral six, podcast at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FrozenRope8. That's at FrozenRope8. And either of those things, you can comment, you can ask questions, you can give a shout out to your team or buddies on your team or whoever. Um, and we'd love to incorporate that into the show. Also, if you're listening on the Anchor podcast or the Apple podcast, you can tap the message button and leave an audible message. And we'll incorporate that right into the show. So again, that can be the form of a shout out to your teammates, a comment, or a question.